Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Well, welcome. Welcome, everyone. Um, so this is our Dharma Cafe uh, Sunday, and we'd like to have a panel on Dharma Cafe, do something a little different. And so we invited Ali Hayadat back, which all of you know and love. And everyone is um, always happy when we invite him. And uh, so this is a great joy. And um, we were struggling with a topic, to tell you the truth. We wanted to do uh, a Brahma Vahara Mudita, Sympathetic Joy. And then for all of us, it just didn't feel right, the timing of it. And so um, what you're going to get today are, I like to say, little Dharma bites of wisdom. And Ali will start, and he will focus on, in a very short time, this should be interesting, the four foundations of mindfulness um, through the lens of the Brahma Viharas, through the lens of heart practice. Yeah? Yes. Yes, I did that well. <laughs> and then um, Casey will be guiding us in a meditation and doing a little bit on mudita and loving kindness. Have I got that right? No, but that's no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right at all. Well, somewhere along this Dharma bite continuum, and um, actually, I was next, huh? And I want to continue a little bit with some of the reflections on compassion. Um, and then Casey will be doing a guided meditation, and we'll let that be a surprise, <laughs> more or less. Um, so I'll yeah. let you start. So, thank you, Lindy, and it's always a pleasure to come here and see you guys here. Um, as she was talking about, like we have plans, but other stuff happens. So as I was driving down this morning here on 405 South, uh, there was some object on the road, so... I don't know what it was. I went on it and it ripped off part of my tire. Uh, I didn't know. Yeah, so that's how. So I had this wonderful talk uh, about four foundations. But this happened. And then this practice is like, you know, just be close to your experience and bringing out, you know, what's happening to you. So I just thought I'll share that. That's probably more beneficial than me just repeating some four foundations. And I'll, prob I'll repeat some of the stuff that, you know, the path offers us. But... Uh, as a reflection, I'll just see how I process it in my mind. That's actually the fourth foundation of the mindfulness, uh, which they're called dhammas. It's how we put the Buddhist practices in use in our daily lives. Otherwise, you know, just sitting on the cushion is great, wonderful, and it was wonderful to sit here half an hour, uh, but uh, it was going through my mind about, like, what am I going to do after? You know, I have to meet someone at 12.30 and all that. Uh, but uh, so that's how life is. And then I came across this wonderful book. I mean, I had it. I was going to share something else on it. But this is just like so perfect timing about this. So I'll start with this little story. It's called Distractions, right? It's from a monastery within. So as we go, <clears throat> we come here. There's like the monastery that's outside, like a church or something that we all go and practice. But this is also a monastery that we take this time off. And then when we're, we're alone, by, alone by ourselves, then can we create a monastery inside of ourselves, you know? All those little things that we practice, can we have that inside when there is not this? 
there are like two models of uh, awakening that, uh, you know, one is was the Indian model that you go into, into the caves and just stay there for months, years. Uh, Casey has done long-term practices and, uh, to get uh, awakened and enlightened. And this is a Chinese model that people come together and just we reflect upon what's happening was true for all of us. Uh, so I'll just share what's happening with me through these four foundations right now. And I'll read this distractions from wonderful book of Gil Fransdale's Tales from the Buddhist Path, a monastery within. Actually, he asked uh, two kids, and his kids helped him wrote some of that stuff. And he was, you know, talking with them. So a young monk complained of having too many distractions to be able to meditate. Is that true for all of us? <laughs> yes. He explained to the abbess, that's the, uh, like a priest of the monastery, that he had tried every possible approach to overcome the distractions. He had redoubled his efforts at concentration. He had been diligent in trying to let the distractions go. He had also tried many antidotes, including ignoring them. When none of these approaches worked, he even tried turning toward the distractions to include them as part of the meditation. So he had also investigated their reactions, feelings, and beliefs he had in relation to the distractions. None of these had helped. So he remained puzzled. In that case, said the abbess, there remains only one thing for you to do. Please gaze upon your distractions with kindness and be still. So, uh, how many, I mean, uh, of us are able to do this when the distraction comes up, as it was in the meditation today for me, just like gaze upon it and be still. So what we offer... Uh, in the Satipatthana Sutta, the four foundations of the mindfulness, is just taking refuge, first of all, in the body, that the first foundation of the mindfulness is body. And as we, uh, my colleague, wonderful teachers here, Wendy and Casey, will uh, speak, will bring metta, one of the Brahma Viharas, into the body. Look at the body with loving kindness. So the first part of the body is the breath that we were practicing here, right? bringing attention to the body with kindness. The second part is the, uh, when you're walking, know that you're walking. When you're standing, know that you're uh, standing. Those are bringing attention to the different parts of the body. When you're doing the dishes, know that you're doing the dishes. And you remember, rather than coming out from the automatic pilot, bring the body in as much as possible into the practice. It's just like one of those dolls that you guys see, you know, have a and they put sands in there, and then the bottom is very heavy in the pyramids. Uh, the bottom is very heavy, and the top, whatever you do with the top, it will come back, right? Since the body bottom is heavy, like a pyramid. It's just like us. So whatever happens in the world outside, it's like the body has a strong base, and you can just take refuge in your body. The mind will eventually return. With all different distractions, the light will come back, and it will come back. It will go wobbly like this and that in... in but if you have a strong body practice, don't bring the mind back. So uh, do your activities into the body, daily activities in the body, <clears throat> anatomical parts, 32 anatomical parts that they bring reflections to. And uh, the last one is our corpse. That's going to happen to all of us, you know. Uh, they bring reflection in, in those extended uh, retreats. They bring practice as, a, as, as 
part of the bringing attention to the body and to the corpse also. Second foundation of the mindfulness, mindfulness of the feeling tones. Very, very important part, uh, aspect. I mean, all, they're all interrelated. You can't bring one without the other. So everything is woven together. But if we can separate, we start with the gross, which is the body, right? And then we go into the finer and then finer ones. The finer one is the feeling. Not, I'm not talking about like glad emotions. We're talking about the pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. So every time I come in contact with something, like this morning happened, very unpleasant, right? Unpleasant, unpleasant awareness to push it away. You, you wish this would not have happened and start blaming myself. To how come I was not on the other side, other lane that this would not happen to me? But this is what happened, right? So I watch it unpleasant, unpleasant, unpleasant. So uh, then we move into the mind states after that. We start reacting. So that's the third foundation of the mindfulness, mindfulness of the mind. How am I reacting to the things that come my way, right? So uh, going back into the feeling tone again. Uh, when I see an object and based on my own experience, some concept arises in me, like walking down and just see a pair of shoe behind the, on the, on the window, right? I like. Then the thirst, the tanha comes in. I want. Then it gets a little stronger. I must have. I need, right? Then I buy that pair of shoes. I don't know if I really need it or not, but I, it just like it just automatically happens. Right? But where did it arise from? From that pleasant state. So I need. And then the other stuff, the tanha, the thirst, makes me do some action and just purchase that stuff, whether I need it or not, I don't know. So, uh, Diana Winston, one of the uh, teachers uh, at uh, UCLA, Mark, wonderful teacher, practitioner, they had designed a course once with uh, Donald Rothberg, another teacher, that uh, it was called greed management. So they had the people go into the store, uh, in Bed Bath and Beyond, and they opened that stuff up. <laughs> so the thing was not to buy anything, but just go see, observe the mind, as he would realize, I like, I need, I want. So they would just, that was like a test, the final exam right? <laughs> of the course. So, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a very fascinating what our mind does based on those. And this is a very interesting place to get free or, or get, you know, get caught up again into our habitual patterns. Once you notice the pleasant, <clears throat> these are the times, or unpleasant, these are the times that we get hooked on, yeah, to the cycles of samsara, keep repeating the same patterns, or, or if you have a, this is a moment of choice, if you realize it, this is what, I've, what has happened to me, this is always what I've done, and then there's a great amount of choice to get released from that and go the other way slowly, right? We can uh, strengthen that path of not really paying attention to, just noticing it, just noticing it the pleasant, unpleasant. And then the other thing is that it's very, very important for us to notice the pleasant as well as unpleasant. Myself, all the time, I always try to notice the unpleasant. But as my dear colleagues will bring about those highly states of mind, is that when you start noticing the pleasant, 
right? The metta, the mudita, the karuna, the opeka. Uh, noticing those things and when they arise, when they come in, and then we can strengthen the neural pathways that way. So the third part, uh, third foundation of the mindfulness is mindfulness of the little subtler than the feelings. When the feelings move into the reaction mode, mindfulness of the mind, right? So it'd be great, like I was talking about, to uh, realize the joy when, when it, would, it comes from whatever. And then joy for ourselves and the others, you know, the mudita, bringing mudita to our state of mind. So our ordinary states of minds are what? Lust, greed, and delusion, right? Greed, aversion, and delusion. You either grasp onto things, push it away. The whole dharma is like either this or this, right? And then if you put a little of this, this is delusion part. I don't know, what am I greedy, delusion, what's going on with me? So, so it's all like this or just like this, right? And with a little bit of this. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so noticing the states of mind as they come about, right? And then when they're present and when they're not present. And what are the conditions that cause them to be there? And then uh, what are the causes that I can, what are the conditions that I can bring about that will make it happen more in the future? So the same thing. So. Those bringing attention to those subtle movements of the mind against the feeling tones. But it all arises with the feeling tones. So first, we, uh, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, with a couple of practitioners, we were making a actually game of this. We'll just go in you know, daily life and we'll just come back and we were sitting talking. We'll just bring it out. Pleasant, pleasant, or oh, unpleasant. Pleasant, pleasant, unpleasant. Noticing the feeling tones. So I just encourage us to notice that, because that's the moment that we get hooked. And uh, we get pulled in as Pema uh, Chodron, our wonderful teacher, calls in, you know, getting hooked. We bite that <coughs> hook and then we get hooked onto it. Or this should not be happening, this should not be happening. And then I start creating something in my mind, and I move into my mind states and start being reactive to that person. With the unpleasant smell, which had nothing to do with it, you know? I mean, because this has happened in the past, so I just bring it and associate it with this moment and just go on from there. So the fourth foundation of the mindfulness is that how we put, put these things into practices through five hindrances. What are the five hindrances? Greed, hatred, doubt. Doubt is a big one in the practice. Should I be doing this? Should I be coming here from 10 to 11.30 every mo Sunday morning, giving up the bed, or should I go do some Sufi dancing? <laughs> Who knows, you know? And then I'm sure it has, you know, happened to... Some when it happens, just like notice it, that that's present. That's the mind state that happens in all of us. And... Uh, sleepiness and restlessness and worry. So when uh, I was coming down and this thing happened uh, to me like maybe 40 minutes ago, part of the tire ripped, I had like a really bad, strong uh, noise and I just didn't know what it was. And then the worriness and uh, restlessness is one of the hindrances that came right away, right in there. I mean, like, what should I be doing? Oh, this is going to happen calling Wendy now and Casey and just telling him I can't come. Should I keep going? 
lots of different worries and this. I just like put that in the future what I should be doing, right? <coughs> what the next step was. And you know, you just like notice and bring kindness to it and just like see what the appropriate action is in there to do. And I decided to come here and just go on and see what happens afterward. So Dhamma is the fourth foundation of the mindfulness is uh, putting the Buddhist practices, the processes they, uh, into practice in our daily, the daily lives. Uh, we notice the hindrances, they are greed, want more, hatred. I don't want this thing to be happening. I don't want the tire to be like this, right? Sleepiness happens a lot, which I had, I didn't have, I, I sometimes have it, I didn't have it today at all. But restlessness and worries was right there for me. Uh, and just noticing these things I'm playing, can you stay with it? And then uh, you bring, uh, I mean, these things arise through our sense contacts, our five senses plus the mind, the six uh, spheres, sense spheres. So those are the moments that you can get freed up or you get hooked in through those five, six. And then, so the best way to realize it is four, five, six. What are the four, four noble, noble truths? There's suffering in life, there's ups and downs. The reason for my suffering is grabbing onto things. There's a way out, and then there's a recommended path. So in the Dhammas, four, five, six, four noble truths, five hindrances, and six sense fears. Uh, for us to remember. One, two, three? <laughs> I think so. And there's other ones, the awakening factors. There. How we put, the, put these things into practice? It's hard to explain the Dhammas, and for a long time I didn't really grasp the uh, idea, but it's just like a recipe. Here we are giving you little ingredients and how you're able to cook it when you go to the kitchen and, and walking, stuff happens you don't like outside, that those are the dhammas. And what do we do with the dhammas? We bring equanimity to it. Equanimity is the balance of the mind with care. If there was no care, there would be indifference, right? But if you bring that care with it, which is like an uh, essential part of equanimity, having the balanced mind with care, then that becomes equanimity. Uh, so bringing metta to the body, loving kindness, bringing compassion to our feelings, you know, when our feelings are unpleasant, bringing compassion that they will be speaking about. Bringing uh, joy mudita to our mind states when the joy comes in and bringing equanimity to the dhammas, to when we practice, you're able, you know, rubber meets the road, actually, the tire meets the road, especially in my case. So, am I able to bring equanimity into it, right? So, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I'm going to say a story about Aung San Suu Kyi, which is a great uh, Buddhist practitioner in Burma, which is in a house arrest, right? Perfect example of how bringing equanimity into life. She was just saying that uh, she was under house arrest, she got released, and she was on, again under house arrest for a long time. And she says, I would love to have tea every Saturday with the generals. And the tailor, they told her, what if she doesn't, they don't want to have tea with you? She says, oh, well, then, then I'll have coffee with them. You know, <laughs> that's like a great uh, bringing of equanimity into, in, in, in the big picture, in the, in, in the world view, right? In life. So 
she knows there are a lot of hindrances at play with the generals, with her, with everything else that's going on. Right? So if they don't want to have tea, I'll co- have coffee with them. So you show up and show up <laughs> with care, right? Show up and show up with care in life, with whatever comes your way. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, yeah. I was just getting a visual of the rubber meeting the road. <laughs> that happened to Literally. me this morning. <laughs> the literal rubber meeting the road. So, um, taking this theme, uh, my favorite entry into practice is the second foundation of mindfulness, which is Vedana, or Vedana, if you say it in Pali and um, seeing what's pleasant and unpleasant and what the body does, what the mind does. And um, one way to know where our practice is is to watch the news or listen to the news. I know some people don't like to listen or watch to the news. Um, You could really see what comes up in terms of I like it, I don't like it, our reactivity, what gets triggered. And um, this week I was watching, and I was listening to um, a radio program, might have been BBC or World News, and they were um, doing interviews of immigrants and refugees affected by um, current policies. And the stories were painful present and past, very painful, a lot of pain arose, and of course the Vedana was unpleasant, I don't like it, I don't want this, I don't like it. And I noticed a shift this week in my own personal practice, which was very often when I would listen to something and I, the Vedana would come up, I don't like this, I don't want this, it's too painful, ouch, this hurts. Um, This is too sad, I can't take it in, I feel overwhelmed, all these reactions. Um, This week, there was um, this spaciousness around, I can hold this in my heart and I don't like it. It's a shift. Um, I'm with this, I can hear this with compassion for myself in pain and for all beings, everyone who's affected by this. And that moment um, where I could feel myself not closing off and shutting down from it, but being able to sit with that information, that truth as it was, was significant for me. Uh, I could hold it a little better than before. And why? I, and, and this speaks to our psyche, our practice, <clears throat> that um, it would be very common for me to turn off the radio, put on soothing music, or chew some gum, or get some mints, 
um, or um, space out. Space out or just get very angry and feel the stress and tension in the body. These are all very normal reactions to, I don't like it, I'm afraid, this is too painful. But I think the practice of the Four Foundations, the Buddhist teachings, is this sweet warrior practice, this sweet practice to slowly increase the capacity to stand in the flame of what is difficult. And by being able to do that little bit, a little bit more and more and more, it gives us all the opportunity to um, pull up that wisdom and wise action, compassionate action, and to really be more of service to ourselves and others, to be able to serve a little bit more, to be able to give a little bit more. Um, and this comes from all the practices, particularly the Brahma Viharas and the practice of compassion. And maybe I'll read a little bit. Um, the thing I want to say about that is that the heart is tender, as we've said here over the weeks and months. And our capacity, our sensitivity, we're very tender beings. So um, as much as we can open in those difficult moments to stories like this, experiences like this, there are times we need to close and shut to it. Um, because the heart opens and closes, and to be sensitive to that when it is too much. And as we develop this capacity to hold what's difficult, there's also a faith and a strength that we can show up in what's here now, much more awake, right? Much more awake, much more present, much more alive for this suffering. So um, that we are really more able to resource ourselves in service of others and ourselves. So in loving kindness, when our wish for all beings to be safe, happy, at peace, free, bumps into the actual suffering that's going on, and it stays loving, it really becomes the fire of compassionate action, the possibility of compassionate action, the possibility to be present, giving more and doing more. And uh, the peace, and I'll stop here because we, we don't have a whole lot of time, is when suffering, when we meet it and we stay loving, this is the seed of an amazing kind of being and doing for others. And a good reflection, which we may come back to, we'll see where this goes, is um, this reflection that whatever circumstances arise in my life, the pain that I hear on the radio or that I experience or that I see and I meet, um, the unfolding of what's happening, may I stay awake. May I stay awake. 
may I receive it with an open heart, knowing that if at times my heart will have to close to open again, and that I accept that closing. May the great difficulties, the challenges, the challenges for my humanity and my compassion, and the good fortune and the joy that we all experience, that I experience too, may all of this serve to awaken my heart and mind. Whatever the situation is, may it fire up my wisdom and my capacity to serve in some way, whatever way that is. So this is the beauty of these teachings. They're silent and quiet on the cushion, and we need that silence and quiet, and all of us together will practice a lot of silence and quiet, and we'll practice social action. Those of us are called to do that too. As so many of you, some of us are working on the homeless and on um, working with prison population, as we heard last night, and all sorts of social action as we fire up in our compassion. So this is the beauty of the teachings. It's in sitting, you know, and doing nothing, and then doing everything, you know, all the dhammas. And the ability to have that as community is so dear and sweet. So I'll stop there. So maybe I'll just emphasize um, a little bit on what has already been beautifully said. Um, when we Ali's first poem or um, story from Gil Francel, this monk was talking about how he was having these distractions and that he's tried everything, even folding in the distraction into his practice, into the mindfulness practice. And then at the end, the monk said, uh, his teacher said, well, there's nothing less left to do except to look deeply at the distractions with kindness and be still. But from what I got from that, he had tried everything except the kindness part. This is what, from what I got from it, this is this missing link. And when we look at mindfulness and the Brahma Viharas, mindfulness and the heart practices, we see that the heart practices, without them, we cannot melt away with just, just pure, um, you know, mindfulness is not this just bare looking. It's with this flavor of the heart, yeah? So if we're not bringing in this flavor of the heart, we cannot have that resilience, yeah? We can't have the resilience. We really can't sit with everything. We are overpowered without the flavor. And also, too, this mindfulness, this waking up to what is, gives us this spaciousness away from our habitual patterns of, of anger, of ignorance, of greed, yeah? And then the heart is 90, 90% of the time what we drop into that space. So now that, we, now that we're open, anger arising, what do I drop into that space? One of the heart practices, yeah? Aversion, greed, what do I drop into that space? Equanimity, right? Mindfulness, awakening, this is what's happening. The heart, what we drop in, right? 
This is the choice that we have, the freedom that we have. So we will just take a few minutes and I'm just going to allow, just invite you to allow um, an emotion, a mind state to arise and then we're just going to meet that with the heart. And when we do these practices, always remember as we bring up maybe something unpleasant, don't bring up the most unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, we're just, that's why we call it a practice. So we're just practicing. So maybe bring up a light unpleasant. Yeah? Yeah. So allowing the eyes to close if they're not closed already. Allowing to come to mind a time when you you felt a little bit of jealousy or maybe a little bit of of envy. All this takes is one scroll through your Facebook feed. <laughs> Somebody's in the country that you want to visit, happy, eating good food. So moving in, you know, is this pleasant? This unpleasant. Maybe moving in, uh, moving in a little bit deeper, where do you feel that in your body? Whatever you feel, where do you feel it? And what are the characteristics of what you feel when you feel envy or jealousy? Is it a heavy feeling, a light feeling, an uneasy feeling? Just looking, no judgment, just looking. And then looking into the mind, what types of thoughts do you have? What stories? Maybe stories about the person or persons. 
that you're feeling this way towards. What types of thoughts or stories do you have about yourself? When you feel envy or jealousy? So now that you have been mindful, envy, envy, jealousy arising, this is a diagnosis. Now you could drop in a remedy, the Brahma Baharas. And here we will choose Mudita, sympathetic joy or rejoicing in the good fortune of others. So inviting you to drop in a phrase of I rejoice in the happiness of others. Just mentally allowing this thought to come. I rejoice in their good fortune. May their, may their good fortune not cease, but grow greater and greater. May I too have good fortune in my life. 
May I too have good fortune in my life. And then come back to mindfulness, check back into the body now. And just see, is there any shift, any change between pleasant and unpleasant? So this is our Dharma reflection for the week, our Dharma Bites. We've covered a lot of terrain, four foundations, <laughs> mudita, compassion, oh my, quite a bit <laughs> this morning. Um, so we usually break up as a group, but I'm wondering if maybe we just share as a group today? Yeah, it's a big, we're a big well, a lot of people. Um, so, would anybody like to share about what came up for them today? The reflection. Yeah. Um, what came up for me is uh, I've never been jealous of anything or anyone until more recently in my life. And um, it surprised me when it first happened, and it was Facebook. <laughs> Fake book. <laughs> um, and I, it, what came up for me is, I think, to feel that jealousy and or that envy, I had to almost be open-hearted enough to be able to take that in and recognize it in myself and admit it, which was pretty hard, and again, it took me so off guard when it happened, um, and I had a couple other things that came up, and I can't remember them, <laughs> already gone, but, thank you, already gone is a big thing, it's everything, already gone. came up for me. 
Um, so I'm in grad school now, and um, there's this one guy in my class who, he's always, he's very heady and speaks very intellectually, and I get jealous of that sometimes because I understand what the material is, but I'm not always able to intellectualize it verbally. And so I sit there and I, I sometimes will judge him and I'll be jealous of I wish I could do that. But then in this meditation, I was looking at that and thinking that it's okay that that's his way of expressing it because I'm getting it and I understand it and I can be okay with the fact that we all communicate things in different ways. And so when I thought that way, I'm like, good for him, good for me. Not, there's nothing to be jealous about. <coughs> yeah, so that was very enlightening for me. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's what I think somebody was saying. May your awareness and good fortune continue. That's what you're saying. And it takes an open heart to see these things. Hi, thank you so much for your talk. I just wanted to add that in my in my process, which has looked at jealousy and feeling like everybody's getting everything else, and I'm getting I'm getting nothing. That what's had to really turn for me and shift is this idea that love and 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 resources is not. It's not, it's not finite, it, and that if I come from a place of abundance and keep stepping back and knowing there's more, there's, and allowing there to be, it's not like a pie, and when it's passed out, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's ever, ever, ever increasing and ever growing the more I allow to come from a place of abundance that doesn't have limits on, if you're so fabulous, what does that make me and this comparing of self all the time, inner, outer? So that's my, that's my practice is to remember that it's, it's infinite, this, this, this spirit, this, this awakefulness, this, this, capacity for love, if I can just keep tapping into that. Thank you. Can I just say a sentence on that? So I, I just had exactly what you had, and I forgot to say it as I said it. So we wish where joy is also contagious. Everything is connected. Near misses of the joy, like you were talking about, the contempt and the scarcity. Mm -hmm. If it is going for you, less for me, right? Mm -hmm. Right. That's yeah. I have it here. I forgot to say it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But Dharma Cafe, like, there's only so much coffee. <laughs> banana bread. <laughs> but love is infinite. Um, I'm noticing that uh, right when we were starting the meditation, uh, I was a little more restless than usual this morning and, and earlier even. And we're sitting here and, and we start talking about the jealousy and envy and there's a kitty cat at home in, in my house now, probably sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
often uh, I, I think, what a schedule. situation and, and feeling more joyful for him. He's got this, obviously has a pretty great life. And, but really by the end of it, some of that restlessness really dissipated. And I just felt more more calm and still physically and in some of the, the emotions that had been floating around. So that, I really noticed, I was very aware of that. Just that shift in itself. So thank you. Thank you. Um, I find that I'm struggling a lot with jealousy, yeah. and it's a, a, a lot, and it comes from self-loathing, yeah. and I'm taking women's uh, self-compassion class. Did everyone hear that? Mm -hmm. so, she said it comes from self-loathing, a lot of the jealousy. Yeah. And I'm trying very hard to love myself, um, and I, you know, I, I kind of... I feel like I'm sort of like baby steps right now. And a lot of people, you know, there's kind of a jealousy right now. I feel like everybody here is kind of enlightened. And I'm sort of, you know, I'm if you only knew. You know. <laughs> Do you see the, you know, the reaction in your Yeah. How many can relate with everything she said? From the very beginning, right? Yeah. That's, that's everyone. A reflection for everybody feels the same. Yeah. You know, last night we were all at, a lot of us were at Adrian's house, and I was having a conversation with someone who just came back from a three-month retreat, and um, <laughs> she said something that almost everyone says to me when they come back from a three-month retreat, and um, lots of Dharma teachers talk about this, that the silence of three months really brings up clearly the depth of self-loathing mm -hmm. and lack of compassion. Mm -hmm. And three months is just like the beginning of dealing with that. Mm -hmm. You're just scratching the surface, three months retreat. I've heard that from Dharma teachers for years, mm -hmm. their own experience, and then listening to everyone on the retreat. So this is a deep topic. That, that's a, it's a lifetime of working through. Mm -hmm. But it can be worked through. So that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe we have time for just one more quick one and then we'll. Yes. Um, something that you touched on is definitely because this morning I was screaming at the news. <laughs> <laughs> at the top of my lungs. I hope my neighbors can't hear me. But, um, you know, that disturbs me that <laughs> that happened. And um, trying to get a handle on that. But the, the idea of the heart closing, then I feel guilty not giving witness. Not giving witness? Listening, Listening. to the stories. Yes, yes. Yes. I'm relatively very well off. I live in a safe place. Nobody's shooting at me every day. Nobody's bombing my house. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody's vilifying me and telling me, no, you're going to stay there and die. Mm -hmm. So... Freud was not a Buddhist, but... <laughs> yes, he, he was. 
He did um, say that we need to regress in service of our functioning. Um, so sometimes we need to step back and close off to resource to move forward and and open up. Um, it's just the nature of who we are that we just can't stay open all the time. I mean, maybe with deep practice we can, I don't know. Aung San Suu Kyi certainly sounds like a remarkable practitioner in every way. Um, so it's compassionate to say, I can't listen right now, because it will lead you to be able to listen right now. Um, and that we, we we're open to the flow of the opening and closing. We're soft on that, we're kind to that. Uh, because in, in doing so, we develop more resource to open when we respect that, more capacity. Another way I've heard that said is to, to honor our coping mechanisms. Mm. And sometimes we feel that guilty of, of some of our coping mechanisms. We don't want to even look at those. And then, and then, but if we can honor them, then we could actually be mindful through them mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And so it's not this separate life of like, when I'm good, I'm mindful. Mm -hmm. And then I just go into my coping mechanisms. I don't really like that, so I don't want to look at that part. right? But if we honor that, and, and exactly what Wendy is saying is that this is all part of the process for our overall resilience until love becomes the only coping mechanism we need, until that happens, to honor those all of those things that keep us alive and breathing today. And, yeah. So we're bringing warmth to that suffering. I, was, I have the image of a, my heating pad. You know, I'm bringing warmth to that moment. So we have um, a few announcements, and uh, oh, do we want to do the chant? You want? Yeah. yeah. So everybody up for a chat? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, just like a, you know, love is a force, like what you were saying, and it will come. It's just uh, when talking to a, or it's called revolutionary love. It is revolutionary. When you bring love, like they were talking about to the Brahma Viharas. So, uh, if you take one or two things from today's, uh, I mean, uh, I, my Dharma talk, that's, that's good enough. I mean, that's usually what I get. Don't worry about that, you know, just get it out and whatever it is. But I also wanted to share something before we go into the chant, is like something from the Sajipatana Sutta. Ida, E-D-A, everybody can say Ida. 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 That means here. Here. You all come back over and over and over into here, to our core foundation. So, if it was up to me, I, I'll just like sit in there silent with you and just we'll just get into the chant. But we have to give the Dharma talk. So, we'll just do a little bit of chant. Here we'll close with the chant. That's enough. So, I'll read it first and then it's like four sentences. And then you guys repeat it. So, may all become compassionate and wise. 
you. May all become compassionate and wise. May kindness find reward. May kindness find reward. May boundless lights overcome darkness. May boundless lights overcome darkness. May all become compassionate and wise. May all become compassionate and wise. Thank you for your practice. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.